We are happy to be back and we are going to look into a message that is entitled Overcoming the Media Trap. And before we begin, I just ask that you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time to study science and scripture. I pray that you would guide in a very special way. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Media consumption. In the United States, according to Nielsen, the average American over the age of 18 spends over 11 hours a day interacting with media. Now you might think, and that seems a little over the top, but if you think about many people's lives, whether it's school children, uh, they're at home in the morning, they're on a phone, when they're on their way to school, there's probably a radio on, that's media. They get to school, they're often on computers, they get home, they're on computers or phones or television. You can imagine this really does end up adding up. And according to Pew Research Center, 45% of teens say they are online almost constantly. So the question is, what is this doing? Since uh, people are doing what seems to interest them, they look at whatever they want on television or uh, on the phone, you know, on the internet, how is it affecting happiness? Or I should actually say, how happy are people in the, you know, in America? According to a Harris poll, 33% of Americans say that they are happy. And it was a little higher back in 2008. And do you remember what was going on back in 2008? We had something called the Great Recession. It's interesting that people were slightly happier back then. I don't know that it was even quite statistically significant, but it was just a, at least of the percentage, just a very small percentage point, uh, you know, point or few, few points, whatever it was, it was higher back then. So it doesn't seem that money itself is what brings happiness. But I want to talk about, we've talked about, yesterday we talked about the Bible. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 24, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes. What statutes were commandments, laws that God gave. So the Lord commanded us to do all these laws. Why? For our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Notice that we're told that all the commandments that God gives to us, everything he asks us to do is not simply for his own good, it's actually for our own good. It's for our own benefit. You see, God wants what's best for you. He actually wants you to be happy. Here we have a picture of a, a brain, <laughs> and uh, the portion that we wanna concentrate on is the frontal lobe, that's the top portion that you see there. And uh, the frontal lobe is a very important part of, of the brain. It's where we do our deep thinking, our decision making, our spirituality, our morals, um, where we love. And, and so this part of the brain is really important to our whole being and our happiness in particular. Um, as we were talking about happiness earlier, it has a lot to do with our happiness as well. And what does what does uh, internet addiction do to our brains and specifically the frontal lobe? And remember, this is the 
the part that's our spirituality and morality, our willpower, decision-making. Well, let's look at this. Let's look what um, some of these studies show. Scientists wanted to find the effect of internet addiction on the brain. They looked at 18 internet addicted 15 year olds and 15 non-addicted 15 year olds and gave them MRI scans. And so you've got addicted and non-addicted 15 year olds addicted to the internet. And what they found, they discovered that those who are internet addicted had shrinkage of their gray matter. I mean, that's pretty interesting and significant to understand. Um, any kind of shrinkage is bad, but in particular, the gray matter, it's where we do our higher reasoning, our, our higher brain powers is the outermost part of the brain. They had actual physical shrinkage of the brain, of the gray matter, due to internet addiction. We're not talking about physical substances that we normally have known that, you know, it affects us, but we're talking something that we would think is benign, right? Something that we all use day to day. And, um, but if they're addicted, overconsumption of, of the internet actually causes shrinkage to these 15 year olds. What else? Says one of the portions that shrunk is known as a left anterior cingulate cortex. And this is one of the areas of the brain that may have to do with love. And so another thing that they realized with these kids that were internet addicted is that the portion of the brain that has to do with love had shrunk. And so it makes you think, well, it's no wonder that so many of us are losing love for one another in society today. You know, um, love for family, love for for others and empathy. It, it's just actually affecting us in this way. And uh, the Bible actually said in Matthew 24, verse 12, and these are verses that Jesus is telling us about what the last days will be like before he comes back again, right? He gives us an idea of what life will be like. And it says, because iniquity or sin shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. And we see that this could be one of the ways that that's gonna happen, right? Is because we have these devices that we are over consuming that are actually causing us to have less love. And you think about it, it's not just love for other people. Guess where else? Um, that area of the brain uh, that's being shrunk of love, guess who else I should say? is being affected and that's our love to God. And so sometimes you may look at yourself and think, do I really love God? And it could be that you don't have the capacity to love God because you're shrinking that portion of your brain. Wow, that's something really heavy to think about. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, connecting with what we just saw, says, he that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. So if people may be actually shrinking a portion of the brain that has to do with love and love towards people is paramount, but even above that is love to God. And if we don't have love, we don't know God because God, the Bible says, is love. Not, not just that God is loving, 
he is actually love, meaning that is the basis, the foundation of his character, who he is. Here's some research on shrinking the frontal lobe. Now, we mentioned that the frontal lobe, the front portion of the brain, is the seat of spirituality, morality, and the will is the decision-making center. It's been called the, the citadel of the mind. And we read a major portion of the brain that is damaged by large amounts of screen time is the frontal lobe. Researchers have discovered that those who are addicted to internet or gaming have decreased the volume of their frontal lobe. So that, that's not only internet, but also video game addiction can actually apparently shrink a portion of our brain called the frontal lobe. And once again, that's the center of decision-making, morality, the will spirituality so we could actually be shrinking these portions of our brain and we see a society that is turning further and further away from spiritual things and we might just think oh that's because the church just doesn't have things in society it doesn't it just doesn't have much anymore for us but it's not actually that there's nothing more powerful than the word of god this is the message that god has for us and there's power in it for all of us but if we are actually shrinking the portion of the brain that has to do with spirituality, this may actually make it so that we have less capacity to connect with God. This is a heavy thought to consider, something to really think about. Here's research uh, talking about screen time and interpersonal relationships. Portions of the brain negatively affected are those that have to do with healthy relationships and empathy so too much screen time can negatively impact interpersonal relationships and you see with adults i think we're all affected but we see it more easily in young people so it is easier to see uh something wrong with somebody else than it is in yourself anyway but one of the experiences that really gave us an idea of what humans used to be like because yeah, sure, most of us have had television for much of our lives, if not our whole lives, but internet is a newer thing for most of us, especially, you know, we who are older, we didn't grow up with the internet. And we spent some time with Amish people. And I don't know if you know what the Amish are. The Amish are a group of people who live without a lot of technology. Historically, you know, they lived without electricity, they lived without computers and cell phones and so and forth, television. And television, all of these things. And and we have we went to speak recently and we're going to speak to them again in just a few weeks. We went and spoke to an Amish group and um, these, this group of people, they come from a very simple background. And because of that, they don't consume media like typical society and what we discovered is their interpersonal relationships are incredible it is unbelievable spending time with them and as we talked about it we thought man this is what it used to be like we used to spend time with each other and, and enjoy each other's company i mean this is this is just simply what we did this is we spent time with each other and we saw that there with these Amish people. Now, I want you to think about this. So we're gonna go even further now, but notice with me here. Sorry. Let 
Romans 12 verse 15 tells us, actually, I'll go back to the last slide real quick. One of the parts of that's affected in the brain is our ability to have empathy. That's care and love and, and actually, in a sense, almost feeling the emotions of other people. Meaning there, there was a saying, one of our presidents, you may remember, uh, he said, I feel your pain. You may remember that. And, and you know, it's, it's a nice gesture to say something like that. But it's, it's basically saying, you know, I, I'm really connecting with you, even on a, an emotional level. And we call that empathy. And the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That we should be people as human beings, but as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should learn to interact with people and rejoice with the people when they're rejoicing and be able to weep with those who weep. But when we spend too much time in media, it can actually shrink our ability to do exactly this. So gaming addicts and drug dependents. MRI scans were done comparing individuals who were either addicted or not addicted to video games. The brain activation in the video game addicted individuals was similar to people who have a drug addiction. I mean, that's, that's significant. You know, the fact that when they scan your brain, that it looks similar to someone who is drug addicted. And historically, we think of someone who's drug addicted that has no self-control, doesn't really think of others as much because they're so um, caught up in their addiction and in their in their substance abuse that love for others is gone and and empathy for others and they're, it's always just self-centered and could it be that that gaming addicts are doing the same thing to their brains this is what the science is showing that um, it looks like the same addictive behaviors are being exhibited. How about texting? It says um, here 18 to 24 year olds receive and send an average of 3,853 texts every month. That is quite a bit of texts that um, go between people. But this is what I want you to look at here um, in this next slide. Teens and social media. All right. So uh, what are the most used platforms of social media for teens? You see it right there, Snapchat and Instagram. So those are the uh, most used. They say about 76% of teens use Instagram and 75% use Snapchat. And I know there's other platforms now. This uh, is a little older, but um, these are the ones that they did the study on. So this is interesting. It says here, um, what social media platforms are most likely to increase your chances of being depressed? So what do you think that is? Well, number one is Instagram and number two is Snapchat. The most used ones cause the most depression. So then you think to yourself, well, then why, why does that happen? Um, there's several reasons why. One of them being what we saw in the other studies is that it literally depresses the activity of your frontal lobe and, and when you do that you actually cause more depression uh, your frontal lobe is where you do your deep thinking and all that and so if you're causing a decrease in that you're going to have side effects and one of them is depression 
And another uh, <laughs> thing is that um, Instagram and Snapchat and these types of things, if you overconsume and you're always watching what other people are doing, um, then you're sitting around more. And exercise is actually something that helps you to be happier. And so that's another aspect that you're sitting around a lot and not active. And then on top of that, uh, some people get bullied on these things. You know, they get bullied and which causes you to be more depressed and suicidal. And then the other thing is that if you're watching, okay, in the past and we didn't have all the social media, we didn't always know what people were doing all the time, right? You'd have to call up your friend on the phone, see what they're doing, uh, catch up with them later and you'd find out what they did. But you didn't always, all the time, every friend you had, you could see at any moment what they were doing. And a lot of times they might be doing something that's a lot funner than what you're doing at the moment, right? Uh, they could be out on a cruise or something or, you know, living in Guam and having a good time while you're sitting in the snow in Michigan, right? And so you understand, you start to compare yourself to others and you think, my life's not that exciting. But the thing is, is not every portion of every day is that exciting for everyone. So these are things that, that um, could be causing us to be more depressed as we're on uh, over-consuming social media. So here is something call, I call suicidal cell phones. A little bit of hyperbole, but notice what the research shows. A study by Florida State University reveals that mental health problems, depression and suicide attempts increased along with increased ownership and use of cell phones. And it revealed that those who spent five or more hours a day on electronic devices had a 48% likelihood of suicidal behavior. These are incredible, incredible statistics, meaning that overconsumption of media actually makes people more likely to be depressed and actually want to kill themselves and their lives. This is uh, devastating. This is a terrible thing to realize. And so this is something to really consider, especially, I mean, with anybody, but especially with young people. And Fadi already mentioned there's some potential reasons for that. And what can we do? But what if somebody says something like, well, I spend a lot of time and I don't feel like killing myself. What would you say to that? Well, I'm happy for you that <laughs> you're not suffering with that. But it could be that over time it may make you more likely to be depressed or anxious. Or, or if have, you're predisposed. Yeah, some people are more prone to depression and so they're more likely to have it. But uh, different people, obviously, once again, it's not 100% likelihood of suicidal behavior. It's 48%. So, uh, but either way, there's something about living life in reality rather rather than in a, on a two-dimensional screen. There's something about getting out in nature, spending time with humans rather than simply texting or communicating through media. I mean, I'm glad we can do this through media, uh, but there's still something special about spending time face-to-face -face with people. And I wanna talk a little bit about dopamine receptors. Dopamine, uh, we, we talk about it as kind of this feel-good chemical. We talk about it as uh, something that is the pleasure, a, a neurotransmitter of pleasure, and it seems it actually has more to do with anticipation than pleasure itself. But regardless, uh, scientists discovered that a portion of the brain of internet-addicted men 
revealed that these men had less dopamine receptors. Interesting. That's something that actually happens when someone is addicted to drugs. When you first take certain drugs, it just has this flood of dopamine and just this overwhelming uh, you know, surge of dopamine so that the brain actually begins to kind of shut down some of its dopamine receptors because there's just so much dopamine there. And the same thing happens when, seemingly anyway, when people become addicted to the internet. What an incredible thought. This, this, so thinking about that, what could this cause? So it could make these individuals less likely to enjoy other things in life. You may have seen young people who are addicted to the internet, addicted to video games, and when they're not on the internet, they're not playing video games, one of the most common phrases they'll say is, I am bored. bored. I'm bored. Why? Because the they may not even have as many dopamine receptors as they would have had had they not become addicted to media in some capacity. And so thinking about that, could it be that filling our children's lives, or our own lives for that matter, with too much media consumption is lowering their enjoyment of every other part of life? What an amazing thought. That we often think, many parents think, oh, if I give my child an iPhone, if I give my child the latest video game console, that that will make them happy. And the research is showing actually just the opposite, that it makes them more likely to be unhappy in every other part of life and feel like they have to be on these devices. Here's a study on memory, screen versus print. Students on average enjoy reading better on a screen than in a book, and they also claim that they have better comprehension while reading on a screen. Well, you don't really know unless you put it to the test, and guess what they have. When put to the test, it turns out that if they have to read more than a page, they retain more when they read from a printed book. So if you really want to get the, the most out of something you're reading, you, you actually retain, if it's more than a page, you actually retain more when you're reading out of a physical hard copy of a book than you do off of a screen. The Bible says, speaking of a book, Psalms 119, verse 9 and 11, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man have his life cleansed from the sin and the, and the guilt and the shame and the pain of the past? The answer comes back by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So how does someone have their life cleansed? By paying attention to God's word. And then it says in verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So turning to God's word can cleanse us. It can transform us by the renewing of our minds, which is what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says. Have you heard of Madonna? Most likely most of us have, but if you haven't, it's okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, congratulations if you don't know who she is. <laughs> but uh, this, is, this is a quote from her. Uh, media icon and pop star Madonna said, she doesn't allow her children to watch television because TV is trash. Well, guess what? She put some of that trash into TV, didn't she? And so, um, or still does. But, uh, I mean, when I was growing up, she was on there all the time. And 
Isn't it interesting, though, that she doesn't want her children to be viewing these things? And another thing that's interesting is, is uh, one time we were we were at a relative's home and they had uh, People magazine sitting out, and on the front cover uh, was Madonna and her her teenage kids, and it said, uh, "Madonna does not allow her teenage kids to have a cell phone." And we're like, "You've got to be kidding me! She doesn't allow her teenagers to have a cell phone." Does she know something the rest of us don't know? And I, it's just amazing. And when you go through and look at it, and she's just like wanting them to grow and develop in other ways and enjoy life and be happy. And it's just like, wow, amazing. But for the rest of us, it's okay. We can consume all the things that Madonna does, right? Well, maybe not. Well, there's more to it. Chad's going to share about Steve Jobs. So. You've probably heard about Steve Jobs. He is, was, I should say, the one of the greatest businessmen of our lifetime. He started Apple Computer and, you know, gave us the iPad, the iPod, the Macintosh computers. And, and being that he was obviously very successful, a multimillionaire, you would think, man, you could just imagine a man's house like that. You probably imagine kind of the you know the walls are probably digital but in a sunday article new york times reporter nick bilton said he once assumingly asked steve jobs so your kids must love the ipad steve jobs said they haven't used it we limit how much technology our kids use at home what especially in silicon valley there's actually a tr trend of tech executives and engineers who shield their kids from technology they even send their kids to non-technical schools like the Waldorf School in Los Altos, where computers aren't found anywhere because they only focus on hands-on learning. I want you to think about this. Why would Steve Jobs, one of the most successful men in the world, the you know who gave us some of the greatest technology humanity's ever known about, why did he keep his children from the devices he was making? Why didn't his kids have cell phones? Why didn't he allow them to have the iPod or the iPad or these kind of things? Why do tech executives, meaning the executives, the multimillionaires who are making the devices that everybody else is becoming addicted to, not everybody, but all kinds of people are becoming addicted to, why do they not want their own children to have these things, even computers? And they even send their kids to schools without technology like this. Do you, maybe it's because they want their kids to be failures in life. You think? <laughs> no, right? Uh, they actually believe that their kids will become more successful if they're not addicted to the iPhone and video games and these kinds of things. So they send their kids to school where they do hands-on learning instead of being on computers all the time. So Steve Jobs. Madonna, tech executives in Silicon Valley, the place where they make these devices, they are sheltering their children. Many times, well, many times people say, especially Christians, they say, oh, don't shelter your children, right? But these guys, the most successful people in the world, at least on a you know monetary level in the tech industry, these guys are not afraid to shelter their kids. Because they think that if they shelter their kids, they're going to have a better life in the future. And you know what? I think they're right. 
And the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 8, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. This is Jesus speaking, and he's saying that a lot of times the people in the world are wiser than those who have the light, and that's the word of God, right? Um, somehow they figure some things out that we don't. And and sometimes we as Christians could think, well, if I if I shelter them and then when they get out into the world and they get exposed to everything. Well, the thing is, is if we expose our children to other people as we're helping them out, as we're working with them, as we're interacting with people, you're not going to shelter your child that way. They get to experience the world through helping others, through interacting with others. Uh, they don't need to have it two dimensionally, right? They could have it hands on. And I think Jesus is right. A lot of times uh, the world is more has more wisdom than his own um, and that's just because they want the best for their kids too right they want the best don't we too don't we want the best for our kids don't we want um, the word of God to enlighten us and and have us to be happy you know like Chad quoted in the beginning about Deuteronomy uh, where it says that God commands all these things for our happiness right for our the, always for our good for our good and our good equals our happiness and romans chapter 5 verse 8 you know maybe you've struggled with addiction maybe your children have struggled or maybe somebody you know maybe you have a you know a friend a child a grandchild whatever it is and romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us that god commends his love toward us no matter what we've done he loves us and that while we were yet sinners christ died for us you see, Jesus doesn't look at people trapped in sin, trapped in addiction, and look down on them with anger and hatred, not at all. He, while we were sinners, died for us. Jesus doesn't wait to love you and care for you until you get your life straight. He loves us when we're trapped, when we're held back, when we're held down. Jesus loves us in our sins. And he died on the cross to take our sins from us. And he wants to set us free from our sins, free from our addictions to the things that hold us back and hold our family down, our children. So what can we do? What can we, what is one thing to simply do with our lives that could maybe help us to be happier, help our children to be happier? We read in Psalms 50 verse 5, gather my saints together to me those that who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice i should clarify here what is a saint uh, many times people think oh a saint those are like idols or or statues or or people who lived a long time ago who were really really good people and then the church called them saints but that's not what the bible actually says the bible actually calls the followers of jesus saints paul talked to the you know like the galatians or the church of Ephesus, and he just calls people to the saints who are in Philippi. And they were the followers of Jesus. Followers of Christ are to be saints, living saints, not just people that the church deems as saints. But notice what it says. So gather my saints together, gather my followers together to me, God says, and those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. One of the ways that we can connect with God on another level, when we realize we're addicted, 
when we realize we're being held down, we can take time. One of the best things you can do is sacrifice these things for a time. One of the best ways to become balanced once again with our media consumption, if you feel like you've used too much media, you can actually take a make a covenant, say, and you can choose how long to do this. You say, I need maybe I need to take a, a week away from social media. One of the things, maybe I need to take a month away from YouTube or whatever it is, or video games. And you could do this as a family. If you have children, you could say, hey, why don't we spend time together as a family instead of watching television, instead of being on the internet, instead of playing video games, why don't we spend more time together? Why don't we spend more time going out in nature? And I can tell you what, in the beginning, if you do that, let's say you decide to do that for a month, I'll bet the first few days, you won't like it at all. <laughs> and your kids will be like, this is nuts. This is crazy. My parents are torturing me, right? And then a few days into it, your brain begins to change. You begin to find other things to do. You begin to love the time you have together, the time outside, the time in nature. All of these things begin to be very special once again. And you begin to think in ways that maybe you haven't thought for years. But not only that, you may notice that your spirituality begins to grow and grow and grow. And so I would challenge if God's putting it on your heart, maybe you need to make a covenant by sacrifice, a decision. I'm not saying never to go on social media again. I'm not saying never to go on the computer again. No, 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 no. And if you work with your computers, we, we understand that. We're not telling you you can't look at the computer for work. But we're talking about unnecessary things. If you feel like you've been over-consuming these things and, and you just want to know, hey, what would it be like if, if I weren't over-consuming? I'd like to have a more balanced view. Maybe you need to make a covenant by sacrifice. Maybe taking a week off. Maybe taking a month off and see what happens to your mind. And I believe you'll see, especially if you spend time in God's word, that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Fadia, would you say a prayer for us as we close? Dear Father in heaven, I just want to thank you and praise you for this time that we could have together, Lord. We pray, Lord, that everything that was shared was to your honor and glory and that you would impress hearts to make the decisions that they need to at this time for themselves and for their families, Lord. We know that these things are not easy, but we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And ultimately, Lord, you want us to spend more time with you. And so we pray that you would give us the grace sufficient for this time of need, Lord. Bless each and every one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.